This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker. Paul, it's been a couple of weeks. We had a, um, a week off for the international break, which is still ongoing, but um, because of where it landed, that's why we took the week off. How, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good stuff. What have you been up to? Well, um, I was at Wembley at the weekend. Okay. What, yeah. So tell me about this. Obviously, England won. Um, I've read somewhere that the atmosphere wasn't great. There was some fighting in the stands and everything like that. that it's been like that for a couple of England games. Um, what, how did you find it? Well, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of any fighting. I was aware of people throwing paper airplanes. Yeah. So I don't know if that's an act of boredom. There was, a, there was Mexican waves being started and ending early and people booing. But I wouldn't say that it... It, it didn't feel like a, a football atmosphere as such. Mm. I just think at the end of the day, it's about that game. It's a friendly game. People can get tickets. People come from all over the country, the opportunity to come to Wembley to watch, watch the national team. It's, it's not, it's not feeling, that didn't really feel real to me. I was invited there by somebody. And obviously, as, as one person said before, and I don't want to mention his name, I guess, I guess you'd figure out who he is. is um, I was sitting in the prawn sandwich bit. So, um, so which is which is quite nice, and see a few old faces there as well. I played with or played against, so it's, it's it was quite a decent day for me. But on the football point of view, no, it was it, it was all right. I was a bit disappointed about them using VAR though. I don't know why they use VAR in a friendly. Mm. Yeah, I really did, yeah, I didn't get that. Like the penal the penalty shot, you know, they get the penalty and. He only got the penalty because Harry Kane went and asked the referee, questioned the referee. You know, he went up, you know, that's what he went and done. That's, that's, that's him looking for a goal. If he wasn't taking the penalty, I don't think he would have gone for He would have said anything, but the referee then put his finger to his ear and that was it. Yeah. Kane, Kane obviously levelled uh, with Bobby Charlton for, for international goals when we saw, like, in our lifetime. It took a long time for, for Wayne Rooney to get there. Gary Lineker almost got there. Shearer looked like he was on the charge. Owen looked like it'd be inevitable that he'd be the one who'd do it before the hamstrings got him. And then Rooney sort of came in and he did it and he got to 53, which, you know, we always thought it was a momentous thing. Harry Kane's up to 49 now, level with Charlton. 
passing Lineker of the weekend. Lineker very um, magnanimous in 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 doing so. Where do you rank, Kim? For me, it's difficult. Ben, uh, good morning, Ben. He says that he wants that record. Obviously, he does. It looks like he'll probably get it this calendar year, but I don't know. I feel guilty sometimes when I speak to Spurs fans and they always say, rave on about how great Kane is. And I don't deny that. He's been great against us as well. But I'm talking, like, generationally great. Do you know, like, these kind of players who get these records? And Rooney obviously was because... He won loads of stuff and, you know, broke United's goal-scoring record as well, even though that argument stands against him as well. Just wondering where you stand with Harry Kane. You know, is it to do with international football having more games um, against weaker opponents, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you've said it there for me, Wayne. I'm, I think they've got, you know, the records now have got to be changed. You know, the, the 100 caps of yesteryear is not the same anymore. I just think, you know, the amount of games they play... Um, there was um, there was an interview with Jimmy Griggs, obviously before Ami passed away. Um, and there was trying to chat. There was chatting to him. It was maybe just up just after everyone started. You know, we knew things weren't going great for him. So there's an interview with him. I think they, they ended up cutting it out in the end, but they talked about his record and Harry Kane, and he virtually just come out and said words to the effect of, "I wish I played in as many easy internationals as what they're playing now." And you yeah. think about the likes of Jimmy Greaves and the Bobby Charlton, and even to a point, definitely not, not to a point, but Gary Lineker and Wayne Rooney to a point, the international games were more difficult, were more difficult games, more competitive games. You weren't playing in group games where you were guaranteed FIFA laid the carpet down for you to walk through and get to the finals. And um, there's playing more competitive games. Even when I was playing, there was four teams in the group and every every game was a battle, you know. We play, you know, we play in group games now. And you know, like yes, I mean, when I was in there on the weekends, and I was in there, and I was there at the Albania game, and I was there at um, an Andorra game, and they bring me, you know, they've got the ex pros come up, and they're going, so what's the score going to be today? And the person's going, what's it going to be? Is it going to be five or six, or do you think it's going to be more? And you suddenly, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was in a high class bingo hall, you know, it was. And that's what and that's what we succumb to group games, and we're going to get that. With what was at the weekend, we're going to get that in group games as well, where it's a case of winning, but a case of people want you know when you travelled a few hundred miles, you want to see goals, you know, and and that's what we've come to. So when it comes to international football, get get me to the tournaments as quick as possible because qualifying is sheer boredom, in my opinion. Yeah. That's why a lot of people switch off from it now. People. Haven't I think we see you say the real football fan, the one who really wants to just see a competitive edge, doesn't really want to watch England internationals anymore. And the Nations League is going to be is going to be an interesting one because you're going to have Italians and we've got the Italians who who are going to have to eat humble pie and going to have to come back to Wembley and have a go and prove themselves. And then you've got Hungary who are decent and progressing, and obviously Germany. And we just don't know which way the Germans are going at the moment because German football isn't that great at this moment in time defensively. So there's decent Nations League game, but when you're talking about qualifying for the two major tournaments, the groups we get given are not very good. And what happens is, is that you take, and when you're qualifying, they're, your, they're the backbone of your games to go into a major tournament. We're playing weak games. We're going into tournaments quite spineless. And maybe that's, not helping our cause, even though I believe it's 
much easier now to win a tournament. England have got their best opportunity now to win a tournament. When you get to a semis of one and a final of another, England was struggling just to get to a struggling to get a final before. When all of a sudden you look at it gone bang bang, you say to yourself, things have lightened a little bit now. It doesn't matter how how people come in. I'm going back and you know, watching international football from the seventies and the quality I should say it's nowhere near as well as good as what it used to be. And maybe the breakup in Europe has has caused all that with these small countries now, you know, on a, on a footballing point of view, just not strong enough because they've lost collectively a lot of players through a breakup and you're, you're only getting one or two, you know, going to other, going to those other countries. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm with you on that. It just doesn't seem, um, don't get me wrong, England getting to the final last year um, was a major achievement and it brought the country together at a difficult time. Um, but it just it just doesn't seem the same as it as it used to. With me, that's just like from um, Ben. Obviously, he's a Welsh lad. It feels really difficult, uh, different watching international football when you're not an England fan. To be honest, Paul, not fan friendlies. Nations League has been great. Yeah, I think that's the um. Let's get talking about United. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions in and join the conversation. If you're watching the replay, do feel free to comment and we do reply. Uh, like and subscribe the channel as well really appreciate that and uh, before we actually begin let's get some housekeeping things out of the way angling outlaws which is paul's show on bt sport at the moment paul you told me about this a little while ago gone fishing what's all this about what are you doing <laughs> i like the way you ask that question what's this all about <clears throat> this is all about forex pros fishing with world champions or British champion carp fishermen or other kind of fishing, fly fishing. And it's, it's just a, it's just an idea from a man called Stuart Lawson, who loves his fishing. He's got other businesses, but he set up, he's got his own big fishing. I'm gonna, I was about to say shop. It's like a fishing warehouse with great big, enormous tank. And I mean a tank, massive. It's got to be about 15, 15 to 20 feet high and just the same going outwards as well. It's just full of, in his, in his big warehouse and people travel from all over the country to it, to his actual shop in, um, in Billericay. And so he decided, and he, he's gone and bought some time, some airtime with BT Sport to get his own fishing show going. So that's what he's gone and done. And last July, me, Tony Gow, Frank McAvenny and Paul Walsh, we sat, we virtually none of us had fished before. We, we were asked by Stuart, would we be happy to go and do it? And yeah, it, and we went around three different lakes around Essex and it went really well. I mean, we had some laughs. We, it, you know, the first couple of days we were laughing and joking and typically being, being ex, you know, ex-professional sports people, we got competitive and the laughing and joking turned to snide comments and, you know, <laughs> criticism and a little bit of bitterness when someone pulled out a big fish and and it, and it, it turned out fun but in a competitive way which felt good because hadn't been hadn't been like that for a long time yeah. a long time you know generally you get it you used to get it when you played in games old pro games but you got that but all of a sudden you forget about it because all of a sudden the bones and muscles start aching after and you say gosh you start to question why have i done that but for me to be able to sit still and maybe for like seven eight hours of the day not even think about my phone 
you know, it was in a bag out of the way so it didn't fall in the water, get wet or anything, and not even be bothered even to look at it to see what's happening out there. It says, you know, what a difference it made to me. So we've done that for the week. Not going to tell you who actually wins at the end, but it, it turned out better. It starts off with me, slimy fish, and I'm like, I don't, you know, all I was looking for was wet wipes. I just can't, couldn't stand it. Couldn't, didn't want to touch maggots. Couldn't, just couldn't do it, you know. And when they, when they turned around and said, I just thought I've got a maggot and just pull it on the hook, it ended up becoming a point of that it got even, because you had to put them on in a certain way and it became more finicky. Yeah. Like, I, if, I, if someone had some surgical gloves there, I would have put surgical gloves on to touch them. <laughs> but he finishes up in, at the end of the week that I was degouging them, the fish, when they come in, I was taking the hooks out, open, putting, putting them in the um, in the basket, in the water, just so you, in the keep net, I should say, so he's getting the count up. And I didn't care in the end because I got that used to it. So yeah. it, it turned out fun. It just, just a week of just being around ex-pros and what went with it. We was going out in the evening as well, something you know, like restaurants, eating and but we didn't stay late because we was absolutely shattered. We did an overnight. Didn't, you know, you thought you'd stay up, you know, you have a drink and everything. Didn't really do that. Everyone was was knackered. Yeah. So it was fun. We're doing it again. In, we're doing another show in May as well. Okay. Against, um, this is us against some other people now. So we're going to maybe, you know, the point of maybe having to do our own hooks. It was lucky the pros were doing our hooks and, doing that for us and the problem is if we're going to start if we're going to have to do our own hooks i'm going to have to put glasses on because i'm <laughs> getting a bit of sitting that's the thing and my ego's telling me i can't wear glasses i just can't so i need i'm going to have to ask for help but it was it was it was fun and it's, it wasn't i mean it isn't as you know someone said to me about fishing i used to always have a go at dave seaman when i was at qpr about him going fishing all day what you know finish training dave would go fishing and I saw Dave at the weekend and even through something, you know, even a bit like you, Wayne, fishing. What's all that about, Parks? He said, um, and I kind of, and he got it. And, he, you know, and I got his seal of approval just by the way I talked. You yeah. know, and so, so he realised I wasn't just kind of, you know, making up as I went along. I knew some of the wordings. I was saying all the right things. And then he's, you know, he's involved as a fishing company doing something as well. So it's out there and maybe it's an age thing. That's what it must be. In my twenties and thirties, I wouldn't have the time to actually to actually fish. Well, mentally in my head, I'm telling me I wouldn't have the time. In in real life, I had time because finishing football training, what did what did Paul Parker do next? If he wasn't walking around, say, you know, walking around Manchester, you know, walking around the city, walking around the town, what was I doing really? Popping in and going, spending money on clothes. You know, I didn't. So I had time, but I convinced myself I didn't have time. So. It's, it's, it's been a bit of an education, but at the moment I'm I'm still learning and I want to learn to, you know. Yeah. When you get Frank, when you get Frank McAvenny doing it as well, that says a lot. And Frank <laughs> is funny. Frank is funny. Only one of the reasons why Frank is funny because he'll say something and we'd all laugh because we don't really know what he's saying. He just yeah. gets caught up in his his deep bubble of Glaswegian and we cannot understand him, but he's funny. Yeah, tune in, BT Sport. Um, I'll be watching to see Paul um, dealing with slimy hands. Um, James Radcliffe says, Paul, tell us a Cantona story to cheer, cheer us up. Oh, blimey, that's caught me short. What can I say about Eric? It's, 
I can't be honest at this moment. I mean, I can't really. There's certainly you no know, people just talk about the main one. The main ones really was when we go to we went to the event, which Lee Sharp tells it much better than I do. And we turn up in a, at an event at the town hall. I don't know if you heard it, Wayne. Sharpie uses it on his after dinner, and Sharpie does it absolutely brilliant. But we, the long and short of it is, we turn up in an event, and I was very you know, yeah, I always say this, I was very fortunate at United that, not fortunate, in fact, of going to, having to sit at the table with councillors at Trafford, at Trafford or going into Stratford Town Hall. And, you know, the first time I sit down at a table, and you have to sit, and you're on a table on your own, so you sit around with maybe like nine other councillors there, because I think the first time I went there was, so it would have been 91 I went there, but I just went along because the lads had just won the Cup Winners' Cup. So yeah. it, was a cel- it was a celebration of that. <clears throat> so I'm kind of just sitting there and these people are sitting around and I'm sitting with them. And So you play for United? Yeah. Are you in the reserves? Like that. I'd only been there two minutes and that was a positive step. And that was my welcome to sitting with councillors at a town hall. But I think this one must have been... It must have been after the first title, so it would have been the 93. So 93, we're at the town hall, you know, the start of the 93-94 season. And um, we turn up at this dinner and at this event in the afternoon, everyone's got collar and tie, tie, blazer, club shirt. We had it on there, great trousers, black shoes. The boss, we all had to wear the same, had to. If I remember rightly, it was Neil Webb. Neil Webb was there and Webby didn't have a tie. Kiddo went, um, Kiddo wanted to give him his tie, but the boss said no, no, sent sent him home. So we're all in there and we're just all standing around, just chatting to each other. And Eric turns up. Eric had virtually cut his club tie, which he was wearing his club tie. He'd cut it down to like a Paul Weller look. Yeah. His jacket was a, he got, he said the, the table tennis um, lapels, he bought them in and virtually made them into slim ones, a Paul Weller kind of jacket. He had the shirt on, he had the trousers on, he had a red pair of Nike trainers on his feet. And we're just all like virtually just looking at each other, just going, oh. Yes, yeah, wait until the gaffer sees you. Wait until the gaffer sees you. And we just stay and we we's we're not we be honest, we all love it. We all love Derek and we all still do there, but we just wanted the bus we really wanted the bus to have a go at him. You know, because yeah. what we'd better endure wearing and the boss has walked, looked at him and he's just virtually gone, Oh, you lot, you, you lot. You just can't dress as good as Eric, can you? <laughs> and we just and we just looked at each we all just looked at each other and went, It's Eric. You know, it's yeah. just, it was him. He, he just had this way and he could, you know, in certain ways, Eric could just put a black bin liner on and he would still look maybe a million dollars. It was just these, I'm not even going to call it a swagger. It was just these stance, his body shape. He was upright and he just yeah. had, he just had that, that way about him that he could carry it off. Then you had, then you had someone like Lee Sharp, who was, um, who was maybe the, the smartest hippie in town. Yeah, Sharpie, Sharpie just he wasn't you know Mr. Designer clothes or anything, but he just he wanted to be a bit dressed down. He'd, he'd walk in with a Paul Michael Glazier kind of jumper on, you know, cardigan jumper on, baggy and big boots on his feet. But you know he'd, he'd be the he'd be the 
best, you'd be the best, best dressed tramp in the world. But he had this thing about him. There was just certain players or who could get away a bit sharpie in that kind of, you know, relaxed way. Even sharpie now, sharpie of today. Yeah. I see him sometimes on pictures, um, on Twitter and things, and he, he's still the same person. I've done a dinner with him um, in Stockport. Me and him, me and him was on a stage um, at Stockport, the, um, the um, theatre there. And I, I was with him, and he was still the same. Absolutely still the same laid-back person. You, you know, Sharpie, in theory, should have been born black, sitting on a, in a hammock, rocking in the Caribbean with a red stripe in his hand, and that would have suited him unbelievably. As long as he's got a golf, golf course around as well. Yeah. Oh, that's Sharpie. Um Great story, that one, Eric. Um, let's, unfortunately, talk about United at the moment. Um, so, the last game was against Atletico Madrid. They came and did exactly what was expected of them. United pretty much did what we've seen of them in recent months. You know, they started quite well. It looked like it was going to go well, but they got control of the game. They took all the sort of sting out of it. They scored. Then they did all this sort of gamesmanship in the second half. Uh, I read somewhere, Paul, the ball was in play for less than 12 minutes of the second half, if you can believe that. Now, I'm all for gamesmanship. I actually think it's part of the sport. And, you know, these teams have these um, approaches as part of their tactical approach, the way that they play the game. Managers like to do this kind of stuff. So I always like it because it's part of a team's personality and it's good to have difference. And, and it's up to one team to break down another. That's part of what we love about football. But clearly, there's a line that gets crossed. And I think Atletico did cross it at Old Trafford. But at the same time, United were nowhere near good enough, Paul. Um, so, so, talk me through that one. I mean, do you, I know that we, we're predisposed to be critical of United, considering what we've seen of them in recent weeks. But how, how do you view the Atletico approach? How do you view what Simeone did? Because, obviously, he's a winner. He won. We can't complain with that. But I mean, is it is it something that you know? Just is it our weakness that we didn't overcome that? I mean, they, whoever they, I don't know, they drew in this next round, but they, um, oh, they say they go up against say seal take them to the cleaners. I don't think seal be frustrated in the same way we were. So, is it our fault? I mean, or, or do you look at Simeone and just think what he did was bad for football? Atletico have been <clears throat> been no different to what they were what, 10 years ago when Simeone started there? Was it 10 years he's been there as their manager now, I think? Not that long, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but whatever, he started, he built a team from that and then he built maybe Atletico's greatest, you know, greatest teams in, in what, seven, eight, seven, eight years ago, maybe. I, I, I lost, I can't remember when it was really, when it was when they just, they could just beat anybody. They just, they were competitive in every game, but that approach was always there. The difference was they had more quality players. So better, they had some individuals who could win them games, they had better defenders. So they knew it even more, but it's come to the point when he's mostly having to work even harder with his players and coach them more and orchestrate on the touchline more because his players aren't as professional as the players he's had before. In other words, the mentality of the footballers in Spain and maybe all over the world is no different to what it is here, where you can't castrate players in a certain way and you yeah. can't shout and scream because people call that abuse now. You know, asking yeah. people to run and work hard, and you know, and you know, virtually go out there and give everything, blood, sweat, and everything for for your teammates. You can't ask that because 
that's what they'll come back and say. Someone write a letter to someone and call it abuse. But he's getting the best out of maybe now out of his players and what he can. He's getting to the point where even he is going to have to maybe move away from that maybe that football club and maybe to a different football club who are playing a different way for him to maybe evolve in his coaching role for what he's yeah. doing at Atletico, Atletico, which is he has to bring a certain amount of success with the club and obviously himself. He needs it for himself. Has he gone past his sell bike day now? Has he stayed there too long and he can't get out of that mode? Maybe yeah. the same as Mourinho in, what, in, in the way he is and the way he manages. He can't change his way. Maybe he might be the same, Simeone. But they come there and they play in the same way as what they're going against City. They treat every team the same in a the fashion they play. The difference is United haven't got the right players, haven't got the right disciplined players to deal with it. You know, there's no point waving your arms in the air and blaming other people and moaning when things ain't going right against Atleti because that's the way they play. Don't moan at the referee all the time when one of their players go down. Yeah, do that. Terms, yeah. It's, po- it's pointless doing it. It's pointless. And when you've got players on the pitch who do exactly the same but not willing to accept it the other way around and kind of go, OK, and just like, go up to them and maybe just give them a smug smile or say something sarcastic to them. Yeah. It's the only way you, that's the only way you can do it. No point fighting fire with fire, screaming at them to get up and screaming at the ref to tell them when you're looking for the same. And too many players got involved in personal battles about yeah. doing their job. And you look at that game and that game, the way it was, you know, I, I look at it and I think myself, two people come out of it, in my opinion, Fred and the goalkeeper. You know, story come, of this yeah, yeah, come out of that game. People will come and say, Oh, did I, everyone talks about the hair because he's one he's one of the problems I keep seeing all the time. I don't know who these people are. I wanted to explain to me what that means. Well he's part of the problem. Oh man, he's he's doing what he says and he's top of he's top of his um his his thing of being the goalkeeper makes A's and he's making says. Oh his kicking's poor. Well I'll tell you what, if you've got a goalkeeper who's a better passer of a ball than what you are, or the other nine outfield players, you've got to look at yourself as a footballer. Yeah. Why, why, why is the owners on the goalkeeper, in my opinion, by the way, I don't want anyone jumping down my throat and me question everything about goalkeepers and about football in general, but why does a goalkeeper have to be great? Why not can't he give it to an outfield player who generally born, used to be born to play with a ball at their feet, and let them do the job? If he has to clear his line, he clears his line. If he can find someone with the ball, we should go fantastic. If he, if he doesn't, we go, well, he's a goalkeeper. It's like yeah. a defender. When a defender, when a fullback goes forward, he knocks a great ball in, we should, we should embrace that rather than saying, well, that's what he's supposed to do. No, his job is to be a defender first. Yeah. No, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Got he, was, he made a great save against Madrid as well uh, at one point, yeah. I think. The one, that was, I'm trying to think which one it was. Was it the header? I'm trying to think. Yeah, what it, I, can't, I, think I can't think what it was, but it was just a, before I, they scored. They, just before yeah. they scored, and, and but I mean, he obviously counted for nothing in the end. United are out, um, as you would expect, because they weren't good enough to win the Champions League. They're not going to win anything this season. Um, I still don't. I'm, I'm not sure about this. Like, the tactics that they employed in the second half. You're absolutely right. I, as I said at the start of when I was introducing that. Uh, piece. I do tend to agree that because I, I, I like the idea that teams have different kind of um, approaches and stuff like that, 
Uh, ben says football has gone this way, though, hasn't it? There's a feeling that you have to play a certain way to be successful. Yeah, but I, I, this you're absolutely right. But then I think when you see Simeone do what he did, obviously because of the, the increasing quality of the Athletic on Madrid side, it, it's effective against teams who are worse like us. It's not going to be as effective against the City or a Liverpool. Liverpool. Although they did they did win against Liverpool a couple of years ago. But we're talking, I reckon if they tried that today, it's not going to work against them. It'll work against us, not going to work against them. And it's for us to try and combat that. I, do, I still do think that when you look at what they did in the second half, it went a little bit too much. But we played into their hands, like you said, with the histrionics and stuff like that. We, we made it a big... Um, um, big problem for ourselves as well. The twelve minutes. I think I think the way that the reaction kind of made people talk, take a, talk, stop talking about the performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's the thing you see, and that got taken away. I don't, it was never meant that way, but it, and people haven't talked about the performance. All they talked about is about what the athletic players were doing. The, and if you look at the performances of the players, it was poor. If you look at, as I mentioned, the discipline of the players, instead of just turning around and getting on with it and, shut, and just keep it going, they didn't do it. They, they allowed the game to stop because they, they carried it on a bit longer by harassing the referee, you yeah. know, and things like that. You know, your argument is with the player. Yeah. And you're, you're going to maybe say something, you're going to walk away. But there's no point, the referee, and I keep saying it, the referee has made a decision. Yeah. And, if, and if he allows you to change his mind... And obviously he's not he he can't be in that job. Yeah. So when he makes that decision, you've got to accept wrongly or rightly that that's it. So I don't know why players keep going on and on and on. It, it's just I don't know. Maybe because I'm getting old. Maybe I'm trying to think. Was I just as bad? I don't think I was. I'd mostly say me bit. I'd shrug my shoulders, knowing that I was never going to win the battle. So yeah. why why bother? Because you're obviously you're not going to get you're not going to get there in the war. So it was it was it's terrible. And it was just the fact of immaturity and ill-discipline that cost United, yeah. you know, to give to giving themselves the chance to get anywhere near winning that game. Because, as you mentioned, everyone never really believed they was going to win that game. There wasn't enough there. Beating Tottenham at home, that still didn't make anyone feel any better in, yeah. in maybe going forward and winning that game. When, of old, it was always about, the big before a big game, the performance and... More importantly, the win had to be right to get everyone to be in the right frame of mind. Fans, players, be prepared for it. And when you talk, you know, when I talk about United, and when I stopped playing, and I used to go back there when I was working, when I'm doing MU TV, TV stuff. I used to love going back for Champions League nights. Yeah, the, it was a different atmosphere to what it was Saturday three o'clock. It was a different atmosphere till sat to a midweek seven forty-five kickoff Premier League game. It was completely different. I don't know if it was fans who just were just been able to get there for the first time, second time, who just come there and said, we're just going to shout and shout yeah. and shout. Yeah. And that bit's been lost. That's been also, lost. I mean, the away fans as well. The away fans like tend to make a, if they're coming from overseas, like the athletic fans were great. Mm. Uh, um, you, do, you do tend to find that European games. A um, couple of comments on De Gea before we move on to um, the next... Uh, Red Angle says it's 
guess it's more to do with the De Gea's inability to command space in the box. And Patrick, um, good morning, Patrick. Hope you're doing well, regular uh, viewer. So, I guys, disagree slightly but respectfully with Paul on De Gea. I think we've wrongly opted to become a player from the back team, which means De Gea has to distribute better when they attempt to. I think, uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I, I think what Paul's saying, without putting words into your mouth, Paul, but just to wrap it up and move on, is that Paul... Um, oh, sorry, Patrick hasn't finished. And sometimes his kicks and passes put us in more danger. Bottom line, we should stop trying to play out from the back because we're uh, built for it. Uh, not built for it, I guess. So just play to strengths of the team, i.e. stick to basics. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. What Paul was trying to say is that he's not a problem at the moment. Not that those things aren't a problem in, in the bigger picture of it, but De Gea himself in terms of the bigger picture at United at the moment aren't. He's not a problem because the other things are. Um, the, in terms of the way that we play, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't understand this goalkeeping from the back. Um, so the, the goal kicks from the back and having players on the six-yard line, it's infuriating and it invites pressure on. We did it against Liverpool and it, it cost us three goals in, in the first 10 minutes. It's nuts. Or however quick it seemed like 10 minutes. Um, and every, every time we're doing that and every time we do it, it never... It's never been a benefit. I will say, when you watch De Gea, even if his kicking's not great, he seems to be the one trying to push people up. So I don't know what this has come from. But, you know, hopefully we won't see uh, much more of that in the future. Ben says, atmosphere is so important. We talk about the Champions League now. It's nothing better than a stadium full of fans singing and supporting the team. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that is, it's been a crap season, but that's been one good thing is that we've been back at the games and been able to see people and, and the atmospheres I've by and large, been pretty good, even though when the results have been bad, we've it's turned uh, a bit toxic and, and nasty. So let's talk about the new managers, Paul. Apparently, in the last couple of weeks, while well, we've been enjoying our time off, obviously, I never enjoy my time off away from, from <laughs> yourself on a Monday morning, but um, oh, well, in, in, in that time, United have been interviewing people, which seems, you know, fair thing to do four months after sacking the old manager you know, start interviewing for the new one. And the two that, well, one that seems to have been interviewed is Ten Hag. Pochettino is the other favourite in there, the, the two favourites, which were the favourites from day one. You can understand you don't want to be appointing people who are in a job, but at the same time, you've got to kind of do that because otherwise, I mean, you know, it's going to take an unemployed person. That's how we got Fergus and that's how managers are hired and fired. Um, but he says in the in in the morning press this morning that Luis Enrique is appearing as a surprise candidate. We've talked about Pochettino and Ten Hag before, so there's no need to retread old ground with that. I know that you're you're leaning towards Pochettino if United are going to hire someone in, but I want to get your thoughts on Luis Enrique because he has come up today in the press. He's manager of Spain. He's won two league titles at Barcelona. He's won a Champions League winner. Uh, as well, 2016 was the, the last um, league. 2015 won in the Champions League. Manager of Spain, he's taking them to the World Cup. There's the talk that he might take charge after the World Cup. I'm, I, I want to get your opinion on this, first of all, Paul. Well, where do you stand on Enrique? Even if he's the right man, is it if you know? Well, say if he's the right man, if he's the man that United have identified, are they wise to wait until after the World Cup? To, to win. No, of course they're not. You can't. You can't be Manchester United in theory. You can't be a football club if all of a sudden you're going to be talking about now and starting the season with 
an interim manager or a caretaker manager, as it was before, called before, in charge until after December. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make it. I, I can't work that. I, I don't see how that can work. They've got enough problems. The, the place needs discipline. Yeah. How are you going to get discipline from players? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's allegedly is Enrique then going to turn and say the players he wants to be there for when he comes when he arrives in December. Yeah. And but those players he got them for a reason. They needed to be coached in a certain way and managed. But he's not going to be there as such because yeah. the most important for him. Um, Spain had a big problem, didn't they? I think before the last World Cup, when with the sackings of the managers, and then yeah. they, they, right. they had all that. They're not going to want to go into a World Cup with those kind of issues around them again, because if they go into it that way, then the, their federation, their football federation, is going to be. It's going to be just as just as bad as they as you know as what they, what happened before. Yeah. So that can't be happened. It's just another name thrown in. I really can't see him wanting to take that job that job on. In my yeah. opinion, not in the way it is. It's great that you know again some journalists decide to throw this one in the melting pot because of United's indecision and poor um, management from the top down. Yeah. You know, so that everyone's just doing that. All they've got to do is just name someone and get it, and get it done. ASA people, so everyone knows what's going on. Certain players will know that their time's up. Certain players might be able to, you know, to you know regenerate something within themselves to get themselves push themselves back into back into the frame to actually maybe to play regular football. Yeah. Um, Patrick says, is Luis Enrique a realistic goer to his taking charge after the World Cup practice? He would have had no pre-season. Is he, impo- is he that important to wait for? Would August to December be another write-off? And, it, yeah, Ben mentioned Spain site to Le Pergui before um, his current severe manager was also on the shortlist, apparently. It is, it, to me, Paul, it's, and I'm glad you said all that because I completely agree with you. It, it doesn't, even if he was the outstanding candidate, we're talking. For, we're not just talking from now until December. We're talking from November, so that would have been thirteen months without a proper manager. Which is what can you? You can't allow a club to be run like that. Um, which I mean, even I, I think like four months is a long time to to not have a, a clear, real plan. And yeah, all right. So they've been doing things. They've been getting things in place. But it's a disconcertingly long period of time to to be dragging your knuckles on this one. Um, yeah. Dragging the heels, even because I mean, look, yes, the the managers are in employment at the moment, but it's just the way that football has worked over time. You know, like you acquire a manager from a club who's doing, you know, like the way that it happens. And it, to me, it looks like it's going to be Pochettino or Tenog. You know, I, neither of them scream. I'm not convinced completely by either of them. I can see easily can see a downfall to I'm not saying that I'm being critical of them in advance. I can see a downfall where as soon as the struggle comes in, because it's going to be a struggle, that there's going to be an outpouring of criticism against that manager and, and justified criticism and, and people will be saying, oh, well, they haven't won anything or they haven't managed in the major league and all that. Or Ten Hag should have we should have got him six years younger if if he was better <laughs> or all that sort of stuff. You can predict that he's going to happen. He's fountain of knowledge about football. Yeah, they're all, out, a, they're all out there when things go bad. Yeah, so and it's all predictable. It's all that sort of stuff, and and it's the same stuff that we went through with Solskjaer, and all of it is basically at the um, 
contradiction of what patience brings you, an investment into a management's idea. Um, I, I'm with you. I think more inclined to think that if I'm more convinced about anyone that's available, maybe Pochettino. But then again, I, I do like what Ten Hag's doing. But at the same time, you know, I've got all those all those kind of reservations and, and really I don't think... I just think that the Enrique thing is it's funny that we're talking about him and that he's emerged as like someone who the press are talking about today, but you know, tomorrow it will be a different name. Dave, who's the um you the editor of the channel, basically, he his favourite is Enrique for it. But I just think like it's a long time to wait and I'm I do not know if he's that convincing a candidate. But then again, that's where we are with all of these people. I don't think that there's an outstanding candidate there. Um one of the play, uh, people who might have been talked about as a candidate would have been Brendan Rodgers, but um, we're coming up against Brendan Rodgers' Leicester at the weekend. Um, he's definitely out of the picture. He's not going to be uh, talked about. Leicester won the FA Cup last season, um, but they're 10th now. They've won three from the last four, but they haven't been particularly impressive. It does seem like we're entering that flat period that teams under Brendan Rodgers tend to experience after the Lord Mayor's parade kind of thing. Um, but in the same way as um, Simeone's team, you know, you bring them to Old Trafford and because United aren't pulling up any trees at the moment, they're still inclined to be able to to do a good job there. Jamie Vardy's having a decent season. James Madison doing quite well. Um, in fact, before we get on to Leicester, to, to Red Angle, I'll take to Red Angle's question here. Uh, guys, what do you make of this suggestion that um, four to five years rebuild is just the owners lowering expectations? Like Scalzi said, an elite coach can make this team win trophies soon. Um, Paul, I'll answer this one quickly before you. Um, I I don't know about four to five year old uh, rebuild, but look at it. First of all, look at the teams that we're competing against: City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Are we at that level yet? No. So let's say that like eighteen months. We can't say that we're on that level. Eighteen months. Look at where we'll be in 18 months. Will De Gea still be a first-team player? Will Ronaldo? Probably not. They're the two um, best performers of the season, apart from Fred. So, what do you do with that? You've got to. That's part of the rebuild as well. It's not just getting rid of the the players who aren't good enough. So, I I don't want to say four to five years, but I do think it's going to be a massive rebuild that's going to take a lot of patience. I, I don't see that there's a spine in there that. Convinces me that we're ready to to wait. Where, where do you stand on that, Paul? Um, how long is a rebuild? Is it to, is it the owners lowering expectations? Do you do you think that let's say Pochettino? Do you think he can come in and make United compete next season? Not compete to <clears throat> not compete to win a league. Definitely not to win a league. You can't just suddenly bounce back from where United are and win a win a league. <clears throat> you can't do it. Not unless, even, you know, they'll have to give you pots and pots of gold to go and get what you want. And you're not going to get all of them, even if yeah. you wanted to. But I think it's about winning a trophy. For United to win a trophy, then maybe a Pochettino, yeah. even maybe more than what he was at Spurs. You've got to remember that when he, he made players at Spurs, he didn't go out and buy finished articles or so-called near-finished articles. He, he made players' names. Players yeah. got into the national squads, i.e. Yeah. one of them... <clears throat> One of them now they're talking about is um, who's struggling now at Everton. Deli yeah. Alley. Yeah. <clears throat> Already struggling. And look at Deli Alley under Pochettino. Bought him from the um, first division. You know, they make, you know, they still talk about that when in theory that happened a lot when football yeah. was football pre-1992. So it happened a lot. 
But um, so yes, you can go and win a trophy. If you're talking about them winning Champions League and the Premier League, we've been, we're looking at. We, we might be talking what goals he's talking about, but to go and win a League Cup or an FA Cup, and we're talking about then United going back to being what they were maybe seen as in the in the in the middle to late 70s and the early 80s and the 80s, I should say, as an FA Cup team. But you need to build somewhere, and United need a trophy. Yeah. You know, Pochettino yeah, needs a trophy. It's mad. Well, you just said it like that. United need to improve to get to that standard, hmm. which was still underachievement. It's mad to think of. Ben, ben says in the good comment here, there's the only way to plan to get back to the top is to do that, right? You need to plan five years ahead, maybe even one manager ahead. And yeah, it's a good point. Well, Liverpool with Klopp are the best example because they've got him in. He's probably the best coach in the world and it still took him four years to get them to be where they are and to be as monotonously successful as they are doing in the way that they play the game, not in terms of winning everything, but to be as realistic challenges as they can be to um, City. And obviously United have that in terms of resources, even with the owners in place, United still have the capability to do what Liverpool are doing because they've got all the same kind of tools. They just don't have the the finances that City have, but it doesn't mean that they can't be do, challenged. Do you know what, Wayne? We talk about City, talk about Liverpool, we look at monetary. Liverpool's strength has been the players they've bought in. Yeah. That's, you look at it and you look at the players that come in, they've hit the ground running. And there's ones who come in um, Kanate, is yeah. it Conate? Yeah. He's come in. He come in. He made his debut, I think, at Old Trafford, wasn't it? Or and when he, against, he made his debut against United, played yeah. really well, yeah. and hasn't hardly been used since. Just little games, but he's coming done well. And it may be the way that he manages those players. But I look at their, the you know, the way they buy players, and they hit the ground running. Diaz hit the yeah. ground running and running quicker than mostly. Then his feet were going when he was at, when he was lifted off off the ground. You yeah. look at the one forty five million on Jota. You think yourself, how did they do it? Then you look at what United have gone and spent on it, and it's still if buts and maybe, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I talk yeah. about I, I, I talk about Sancho and and I'm not like anyone a lot the majority of people. We all know he struggled. He has struggled. I don't think the, the way he came in and was utilised by Oli was right. He needed to go in and go bang and go straight into it because you've got to say he's English. He knew that he knows the Premier League. He's played at a top club, a club which is was, was in better shape than what the club he come to. The football was better there for him than what he, what he come to. Let him let him feel his way in, but he didn't get the opportunity. Five minutes cameos, but. Everyone was questioning why he wasn't in the England squad. He wasn't in the England squad because he wasn't playing well enough consistently. You're seeing flashes. Yeah. Diaz has come come in, and it's not a flash. You're seeing something genuine, and you're seeing consistency. Yeah, he's frightening. Yeah. And that's the difference. It's, it's the difference in the buying. It's the what they is what they want to spend money. I think, in certain ways, United think they've got to spend a load of money on somebody. And then use them as a marketing tool rather than think the priority is that when when they're playing football and they're playing well, that's when they that's when the marketing tool side of them steps forward while they're playing good football, not just to go and get them and then hope they can, and, yeah. and then and then fitting into what a manager wants to work with. That's the thing. Diaz was bought for someone to fit in. Now was he bought because maybe Salah might not be staying? Or Mane might not be staying. 
We don't know. I mean, they've still got Harvey Elliott there as well, who can fill one of those wide roles. They've got Diaz who can fill one of those spaces. So they've, they've got an array. And if they keep all of them, that makes them even stronger for next season. They kick off next season. And haven't even haven't, haven't even talked about buying in the summer yet. So yeah. they're far and away ahead of Manchester United. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much people say, oh, but look how much they spent. Yes, they might have spent a lot, but they've, bought, they've spent wisely in the, yeah. way they've gone and, the way they've gone and bought, rather than just going buying big names, spending big because the press have, put, have said something, and all of a sudden that adds value to it, you know. So yeah. that's the way things are at this moment in time. Yeah. Loads of comments coming in. Patrick says, if we do things right now, uh, if we do the right things now, it's to be... Uh, realistic title challenges in two to three years given the resources they have yet yeah, i think that's probably fair the problem is the executive management failed to do the right things yep red angle says there are so many parallels with the spurs squad that poch took over and what we have uh, where we are now that it'd be almost criminal not to go for in my opinion i think paul's with you on on pochettino um he says yeah 100 agree with you uh ben says that what worries me about United pursuing Rice for triple digits? Can't we find an equivalent for less and improve other positions as well? That's where you're coming from with Diaz, absolutely. Um, and then this is one thing, I, yeah, we'll touch on this before Leicester actually, and not necessarily with Bruno, but Patrick says new contract talks for Bruno with three years remaining is another example of poor decision making. What's the rush if the new coach isn't keen on Bruno? Will will be stuck with higher earners he can't sell. This is the point which we've made before, and it. Like, let's not talk about Bruno because we've we've been critical of Bruno enough, and it's not to do with his overall contribution because he's worth a new contract, blah 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 blah, and he's, you know, in terms of his goal contributions and and assists and everything like that, he's still up there. It's to actually do with the composition of the squad and not having someone in directing it. When Solskjaer was interim manager, just six months after Mourinho wanted to get rid of Martial, and Solskjaer was interim manager. Within weeks of Solskjaer being given the interim role, so he wasn't even permanent manager, Martial was given a massive new contract, as if like it was a big, you know, FU to Mourinho. And obviously, they were, we've seen that it's probably not the best decision to have given Martial that contract because it hasn't been worth it. In the same way that, you know, we could have sold Pogba in that summer as well. So... I'm not saying back Mourinho, but back the, the manager with his decisions and you're going to have a greater discipline over the, the dressing room. Is this going to be a problem here? Um, I guess Bruno is the example that we're using because he's the, the case in point. He's the one who's given the no negotiation for the contracts. But isn't the bigger picture here, Paul, that we shouldn't be taking... This is the problem that you get when you don't have a manager in charge. This is the problem that you leave yourself lumbered with because players are running down contracts. It's not even the case of Bruno relays to talk about Pogba and Lingard. What if, what if Pochettino came in now, and he th or like even if he came in in July, and let's say that Lingard's gone, and let's say that he thought, oh, do you know what? I could have made Lingard another Deli Alley. I, he could have been my player to do something like that. This is the problem, isn't it? If you don't have a manager in charge, you're leaving yourself open to decisions being made that are going to affect you in two to three years' time. Yeah, it is a big problem. And it's a, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, the way things are working with contracts. You know, you, you're worried for yourself, oh, Bruno might go for nothing. You look at the age of Bruno, you think to yourself, in three years' time, you like to have thought you'd have nurtured someone through or you'd have gone and bought somebody 
integrated them to be able to go and play in that role. So I don't see a point of giving, making it go into four years to go and spend more money. And like you say, another manager comes in and kind of thinks it's not, it's not what I'm looking for. These decisions shouldn't be being made until they get the person in charge. And someone might say, oh, no, but that's what he's for. Rangnick, he's there. He's the one who's going to be working. It's not him. It's the manager. He's the one who's left to be there day to day. The player mostly relate to him as the director of football or general manager, what it is, because he's the one who does all that side. But when it comes to the football, it's the manager. He's the one who's going to have to discipline him. And if the player knows that the manager's coming in has got him anyway, it's, you know, he signed his new contract, there's good, there might be a little bit of animosity there already on that side of it, especially for me. And, it, and that's, it's blatantly obvious now. What You can see it. You know it when a manager hasn't signed a player. You feel yeah. it. You know it. You can just you see it the way things are, that something's been given to them and you've got to get on with work a bit. It doesn't matter how good you are and, and whatever it is and how you are as a person, you will show that because it will come out. You know, it's only it's only so long that you you can play the game as a card player and keep that straight face. It's always said, um, so Alex has always, you know, the one thing you've got to try and do is not to bear grudges. Don't mm. bear grudges. He's, you know, you've got to work with that person, work with that person until such time you find someone as good as or better, and then you move them on. You know, that's the, that's the way it's got to be. And United have given out far too many of these you know, when, when when they said about Bruno's contracts running out, I think to myself, oh, blind, he's only got a season to go. When I, for, you know, three years to go, you go, what is the rush? Let him, what happened to that desire to work hard and prove a point? But yeah. everyone's, oh, but he could go on a free, could let him go for nothing. So what? You've had a good run out of him. You paid him wages. You know, he's, he's not 17, 18. Let, let him do it. You know, are we going to get back to the stage where we're going to give people 10-year contracts because we don't want them to run their contracts out? When all of a sudden you get in financial problems and you end up a bit like not many not many out there who remember this. There was a situation where Bristol City got promoted into the top division in the 70s and they gave players like Jerry Gow and people like that 10-year contracts. And everyone's going, what? But is their, is their way of saying we're fantastic, we're in the top division Lo and behold, they nearly went into financial ruin because yeah. of it. Yeah. So because of this Bosman ruling now, people are running down their contracts. They can command bigger wages. Somehow a club is going to have to make a stand to slow this process down and say, no, it isn't all, it isn't all lardy darfy when you can walk away for nothing. We're not going to, because you, have, we have, you haven't cost anything, why should we pay you more money than our best player? He's, he's been paid that much because he's our best player. Just because you, you haven't cost anything doesn't mean you should earn more money than them. Because yeah. if he knows you're earning more money than them, you're saviour, you're fan's favourite, you're top player who's won you this or saved you from that, he's suddenly going to go, hold on a minute, what's happening here? Because he's come for nothing, he's not better than me. And that's, and that's me saying it when I... And I, would, I wouldn't want to be, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I earned what I earned because of my job was to destroy if you're creating, I think, wow, that's a different that's a different skill set altogether. Creation is much better than destroying. So that so so somehow this process has got to be slowed down. As good as it was when this all started in the nine, 1997, wasn't it? I think it first started in yeah, yeah. 1997. Somewhere it needs to be amended to protect clubs because clubs now are in a position now where agents are coming in. Agents are earning fortunes from it. They're the ones that are, they walk away smiling while players thinking, 
I don't really want to be here, but I've been forced into it because my agent says I'm going to get this. I'm going to, I can go for nothing there. They're going to pay me more than that other club. What about going to the club that you you believe in, the club that you you kind of like to play for and play with the players you like? So anyway, I've, I've kind of moved on there. Going back to it is that I believe we Lingard's got in his position. Let you know if he wants to live by the sword, he dies by the sword. He's got to move on. He's running if he's run his contract down, regardless of a new manager coming in. If he might want to turn around and find out now who the manager is and find out whether or not the new manager wants him because he wants to be at United, but he might have missed that boat now. <clears throat> I think that boat might just happen for him the way it works out. And let's see where he goes to from there because maybe a few doors are shut for him now. Yeah. But on the Fernandez one, just for me, how he's been of late, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Forget, I forget goals and assists. It's about what he, what is what is happening within that yeah, what is not. happening within within that dressing room with his behaviour because yeah. his behaviour is one that I don't like. Yeah, well we've talked about that before, and maybe it'll um, improve by um, the end of the season. Maybe it's indicative of it's a, lack, it's a lack. It's a lack of a manager, maybe a manager who's gonna who's gonna make him or break him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, sorry about that. We we drifted onto a million different topics there, but very quickly, Leicester yes, this mate. weekend, Leicester this weekend, 10th place. They won three from the last four. They haven't been particularly great this season. And they are in that um, the Rogers flat period that comes after they do something, after Rogers' team does something good. But like Simeone's team, like I said earlier, they're going to come. See United and, and still feel emboldened that they can get something because they've got players who compose a threat. So United's vulnerable areas, they can dominate in midfield. They can create chances against that back line, which they've done in games that have played against them before. Um, so they'll be up for it. I'm not going to start talking about Champions League ambitions because I think we, we've already thrown that one away. What What is the mentality for United at the moment? Is it about personal pride to show that they still deserve, I mean, are they playing for the futures now? I think that's a difficult thing to say now in today's world. <clears throat> today's world of football, what can I really talk about here? Because that was always there. That was always there with every football. You get to end of the season, you are playing, people talk about pride, you are playing for your future because your contracts, because, you know, it's one or two year contracts. Your position was always did the manager want for you next season? I talk. I use United for this, the way the boss was. If you had had a failure season, you knew that you had to give everything just to get the opportunity to start the pre-season. And if it, and if it wasn't going to work out, you weren't gonna, you weren't going to play. I think that's gone now. The players are in control of it because of the mon- the monetary system, um, situations. Yeah. I would say yes about pride. I think that should be there regardless. Doesn't yeah. matter whatever it's there from from. That from the start of the nine months to the to the finish of the nine months football season, great job, well paid. Everybody wants to be there. You should embrace that and let everyone know how great it is. But a lot of these players don't really, and I just think you're going to get the ones who are going to go through the motions. Well, no glamour of Champions League as such, but they should think to themselves: Arsenal slipped up so many times. You can't guarantee that Arsenal, even though they've got, you know, they've got a bit of breathing space. Snookers yeah. are needed, but they could, you know, they, they, you know, they can, they'll, they'll make mistakes. They've done it. They, they haven't shown any consistency. When they've had good times, bad times happen quite quick. Just to, just to remind them, and then they go again. But those gaps that happen, 
They've got yeah. to go and grab them a bit like Liverpool with Man City. Yeah. You know, when a certain betting company has gone out and paid paid up and then winning the league and all of a sudden now, whew, it's a big change, isn't it, really? So um, it can happen and there is going to be a sniff of it. United aren't out of it. They've got to go out and try and win every game in front of them now. That's all they can go and do. And players should be maybe looking for personal, definitely looking for personal pride. One, for a new manager coming in. And two, if it isn't going to work out there, let other managers know that they've got a bit of heart about them, but they're still going to go out there, still willing to put themselves out there, even though they know in certain ways they're not going to be at that club. Because a lot of people say, well, he's not going to be here anymore. He's thinking he doesn't want to get injured when he goes to his next club. And as a manager, you want someone like that because you know you can trust them when they go out there that they're going to give you everything. Yeah, honestly. And that's, and that's, what, yeah. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for like a Brian Robson. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. You know, the first game of the season is no different to the last game of the season, regardless. Regardless of, you know, what's, what's, what's in front of you. You go out there and you play the last game as, as good as you did the first game and in the same fashion, with the same mentality and same beliefs. If only we'd played every game like that 5-1 against Leeds. seems a long, long time ago, um, that game. Um, but yeah, we will be back next week to talk about whatever happens against Leicester. If it's... United back in with a sniff of the Champions League or, or out of it altogether. Or in limbo, as, as seemed to be the case for much of the second half of this season. Uh, we will be back for that um, discussion. Thanks for watching, guys. If you're watching live on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to the channel. And um, if you're watching the replay, do feel free to comment in the comment section because we do reply to those. Um, yeah, thanks for joining this week. Great chat. Um, we will be back next week. Um, until then, stay safe, stay well. And thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.